Welcome to this osteopathic life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 32 of season one of This Osteopathic Life. Today, we're moving into a continuation of the Potential podcast. We did a little bit last week, but had some other thoughts about health and hiding health that came through, and we honored them as they moved through at the time that they did. And so now I return today to the idea of potential and building on some of the concepts that we talked about in episode 30. Today, I'm recording the podcast from the original site. I'm back in Traverse City in the house that we have here in northern Michigan as I stop over on my way to lecture at the Michigan Osteopathic Association's Autumn Scientific Convention. And my lecture is tomorrow. It's a three-day event. And I'll be speaking tomorrow and expanding the osteopathic concept for personal and professional health taking a lot of the ideas that have come from the various episodes of the podcast so far and exploring them with physicians of all specialties to help nurture and support their health as individuals, as professionals of the profession itself, and hopefully positively also impact their patient care and really see what it means to start stepping outside of the original bounds, perhaps, of the osteopathic principles. So if any of you are there, I hope Friday is going well. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. I'm going to give myself a little bit of lead time as winter has arrived. So there was a big snowstorm last night, and I'm grateful to have made all my travels without any hiccups and hope the same will be true when I depart on Sunday evening. But I'll take it moment by moment here and appreciate the beauty that comes with the snow And fascinating to see the trees still with a number of leaves in their beautiful shades of autumn here in northern Michigan, contrasted with the snow. It's actually quite lovely. So let's move into potential. And we talked previously about different definitions of the word, different ways we might view potential. And at the end of that podcast, I was going to move into another topic, but time got close And it seemed like it could lend itself to an entirely new and separate discussion. And when I began to investigate and research potential and the ideas that come up in modern media and in physician literature and often in psychology uh, pulls up when I'm researching the episodes, the idea of combining purpose, passion, and potential kept coming through. And I love an alliteration, and so it drew me in and... Also to a diagram that I've seen a number of times in different iterations where you're combining those things. And we're going to talk a bit about each of those and how we can 
step more fully into our potential and align it with things that give us purpose about which we feel passionate and how we can capitalize on our gifts and our strength and see what it is that the world needs and how we can best serve from a place of authenticity through our natural gifts and strengths. So this comes from an article talking about six elements of living with purpose, passion, and potential. And the first one is quite fascinating to me and perhaps the one that I struggle with the most. And it says, be in the here and now. And this is part of the mindfulness practice. And my struggles with this are often that I look to the past, consider what has happened, how do I learn from that, which has merit. And I also often look to the future or I'll think about where I might want to be rather than sometimes just being able to sit and be where I am in that moment, be content with it and listen to what I can gain from just being in the moment. And so I ask you, how are you practicing that? Are you able to be here now? And if you haven't heard Nako, N-A-H-K-O, in Medicine for the People, a musician, and he's kind of the soundtrack of our home, um, he has a Be Here Now song, and I'd highly recommend listening to it. I'll see if I can put a link in the show notes here. So practicing passion and potential and purpose requires us to be present, another P. And this is something that I also take into my patient visits. We talked about it in different iterations in the past, and there was one with three Ps. And to be perfectly honest with you, I never remembered with them. P was the first initial of the resident I trained with, and so often it lent itself to just reminding us all of his name. I do remember present, and an extrapolation of that in a more recent course that I took was to expand the thought to centered, grounded, and present. So in my work with osteopathic manipulative medicine and hands-on treatment, you know, there's physical engagement, there's hands-on, I'm touching the patient as we're applying manipulative treatment, there's energy exchange, you know, there's dialogue both in words and in the communication of how the body responds to treatment. And so being centered and grounded and present in yourself allows there to be more space for the patient to experience whatever it is they need to explore the health more fully in that moment. So being here, being here now, being in the present. Watching your thinking. I've listened to a number of life coach school episodes in a different say self-help or inspirational books. It talks about our thoughts giving way to our feelings that we then turn into actions and we evaluate for results. And what is the power of our thinking? How can they control how we're feeling and lead into our actions? And how can we control them? We often you know, get caught up in our thoughts and maybe a sense of being out of control with them. Really, can we scale it back and recognize when we get a bit carried away or carried off track and need to come back into an area of centeredness and of focus and listen for when we're thinking ourselves well when we're thinking ourselves ill. And it's important to know when I bring this up to patients, you know, I might hear a story from a patient and what they describe, I hear a lot of angst and frustration 
and mental and emotional contributions to their not being well or not experiencing health fully. And I relate this to them and make a point of stating that it's not that their symptoms are in their head, but it is how things are being triggered. And there is some capacity for perseverating the feelings of not being well by sitting there, sitting with those thoughts, being stuck in that frame of reference. There's some new work coming out and I need to explore this more fully. Maybe we'll talk about it more in a subsequent episode about the placebo effect and how it really can change the expression of health by changing epigenetics in patients. Um, And so thinking of the power of thought, what control we have over it, and how we manage thoughts and allow them to move into our feelings, following them into action and into results. Accept and be open to what is. And like anything, as we move through these episodes, many of the topics that come up and how they evolve are lessons for me. And I hope they're meaningful for you in the moment as well. We've had a lot of transitions in our family life in the last year, two years, four years, five years, depending on where you want to put the start of that timeline. And we're definitely open to what is. I wouldn't say we're always great at accepting it. You know, we might want to have a little more control over what's happening and it might not evolve in the way that we thought it would. And how do you settle with that? And so as we talked about in some previous episodes about surrendering and making peace with, you know, it's not defeatist and it's not giving up and it's not just saying, oh, well, that's how it is, but it's being in a space of acceptance and understanding this is how it is right now. What lesson is there to learn from it? And how do I make adjustments if needed to go forward more in the direction that I imagined? Or perhaps this was a very great shift and it went this way for a reason. It's actually highlighted a whole new path I never would have considered, but it's actually where I want to be. Knowing what matters And this is where we come more into the purpose. So remember, we're talking about purpose, passion, and potential here. Knowing what matters to you, for your family, for your community, for the greater needs of the world. You know, what makes you feel enriched and enlivened? What maybe doesn't feel like work for you? And can you look at that and think about why and how can you capitalize that? on that and maybe not shift and quit your day job and do that, or maybe you do, but perhaps take elements of it with you into what you're doing. What energy or what talent are you using in that moment that really lights you up and how do you bring that through into what you're doing and keep evaluating that. You know, what matters might always be the one thing. You might have a very core set of beliefs or singular belief that you can circle back to or might evolve with different stages and phases in your life. You know, as parents, we might shift what our priorities are at different times in the lives of our children and what's asked of us at those stages in life. So doing some reassessment and inventory, or if you have that set intention and idea of what matters, circling back to it. We'll do this in yoga class. We'll talk about setting an intention for the class and circle back to it periodically. And let's apply that same thing to our lives. What is our intention 
with life? Are we living with purpose? Are we coming back to that and being honest with ourselves if we're on track or if we're not on track with that? Always keep dreaming. And this is one that I think I'm quite good at and maybe to a fault. You know, always thinking about what could be, what else, what more, what excites me, what potential is there, and striving toward that. And how to juggle these, right? Keeping all this in the air, purpose, passion, and potential, being in the present, but having space to think about what could be and how you could continue to grow and use your talents. Giving an even um, credence and audience to each of those, I think, is one of my greatest challenges, and I wonder how it is for you. And then doing what it takes, and this is where we think thoughts, feelings, actions, results. What action are you taking toward those pieces? So whether it's practicing greater mindfulness to be in the moment, to be in the present more effectively, whether it's being more conscious of your thoughts and shepherding them with intention, whether it's practicing greater acceptance of yourself first, of situations next, whether it's managing those dreams and giving yourself space to just with unbridled enthusiasm, write down or imagine, picture anything that you might want to do if you know time or money or location or responsibilities were no limitation for you. And then what are some action steps you can take? And they might be small. You know, it might be taking a class, doing some learning, reading a book, subscribing to a magazine. I was just in the airport and looked at you know, Harvard Business Review and The Economist in some different arenas where I don't spend a lot of time that might bring some greater inspiration to move me into those action steps. Maybe it is needing some external motivation and employing a friend to be your buddy and say, we're going to check in once a week or once a month and you know set these goals and some tangible action steps and keep each other accountable. Did you do this this week? For me, it's been putting out there that I want to do this podcast and that I want to get word counts done toward the book and saying out loud and putting it out to an audience helps keep me accountable. Perhaps you need something more specific and more one-on-one like a coach. You know, they have shown now that life coaches have been successful as an antidote to burnout for physicians and in other arenas as well. And there are tools that you can use. Like I said, I've listened to Life Coach School podcasts. You can use some self-teaching in that way or actually seek out the one-on-one coaching. Certainly, if you need more support, perhaps counseling or therapy might be in order to get you to a place where you can move beyond and start to embrace and engage with these ideas and dreams that you have in a practical manner. So those were the six elements of living with purpose, passion, and potential. And this was an article that I found, and I'll post the link. Author Joseph Wilner, licensed therapist and life coach. So you can get those elements of coaching through those ideas. To sum up, be in the here now. Watch your thinking. Accept and be open to what is. Know what matters. Always keep dreaming and do what it takes. That'd be a fun thing to get engaged, perhaps, with the author of this article. The image, and I'll see if I can make a sketch of this, um, that came up, and I say I've seen it in a couple different iterations, a Venn diagram of sorts, where we see the intersection of different parts of our life. And in Japanese, it's called ikigai, 
I-K-I-G-A-I, and it translates to a reason for being. So again, thinking about purpose. And I drew this in the past as a cross and tried to fill in the blanks for myself and find out where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing, and that's that keep dreaming part that I often circle back to. But thinking about what it is you love, what you're good at, what the world needs, and what you can be paid for. And looking where the synergy of that. So if you can get all of those pieces in place, you get to that ikigai. And there are different combinations. You know, if the world needs it and you can be paid for it, it's a vocation. If you're good at it and you can be paid for it, it's a profession. If it's what you love and what you're good at, it's a passion. If it's what you love and what the world needs, it's a mission. And there can be gaps in there when we don't quite get it all together you know, we might feel satisfied, we're doing good, but maybe useless. You know, we're not earning what we should for that. If we're, you know, in that space where we're getting paid and it's what the world needs, um, but it's not exactly what we love, we might still have some feelings of emptiness. If it is what we love and we're passionate about it and the world needs it, you know, we feel great, but it might not be practical. And if we can't pay our bills and sustain our lives, we can't keep giving that energy to other things. If it's, you know, what the world needs and you love it, but you're not necessarily the best at it, it doesn't quite match your skill set perfectly, but you're trying to fit into that box, you might have a sense of dis-ease or feeling uncertain about it and kind of questioning yourself. And... How do we align all of those? And Ikigai feels like, you know, it's perfection. Is it possible? Is it possible to get there? And there is a book called the Ikigai, The Japanese Secret to a Long and Happy Life by Hector Garcia and Francis Morales. Looking at 10 ways to get there. And I'll link to this website. We won't talk about them all specifically, but it's, requires us again to be in charge of our perspective and find the ways to participate in each of those, even when they're not all the same thing. So can you do a little of something every day that you love, that you're good at, that the world needs, and what you can get paid for? And certainly some days we're going to spend more time in one than the other. Oftentimes we're spending time in our job and hopefully we're at least good at it or we love it, or the world needs it as well. At least it matches one of those two. Sometimes it's just a job, and it's a practical way to pay the bills so we can perhaps get the other three on board in a different way and support ourselves in following a passion or a mission. And where we might swing the pendulum of where we're prioritizing our time. So some seasons, it might be a lot of work in a little of the other three. Some things it might be a lot of love and we kind of sacrifice practicality in order to spend time in that. Sometimes it's really saying, wow, I, you know, this is what my community needs and I'm going to just dedicate the time there and trust and step in and hope that this spirit of generosity will also be given back. And not in a way that you, know, you need to be repaid for that, but again, there are practical means. We need to be fed and clothed and housed and in community and in connection And so hopefully there's some reciprocity in spirit when we're offering our skills and generosity into something for the greater good. 
and assess and analyze at sometimes when do I get two of the four? When do I get three? And is there a moment where I get all of them? And for me, these moments where I have the opportunity to lecture, I feel like I start to get into that space where it reflects things that I'm good at, things that I love, what I truly believe the world needs. You know, I think there's certainly benefit from expanding the osteopathic concept for the health of all things. And with small stipends, being able to get paid for these and perhaps moving into a space where it can be meaningful and there can be a series available or if the book takes off, ways to make it be financially viable and also successful and helpful for others. So I challenge you to think about that, you know, and be open to maybe looking beyond where you might have thought you would find your ikigai. And some of that is being honest about what the world needs. You know, we talk a lot about mission trips, for example, and sometimes we go with our idea of what a community might need from us. Usually it's based on what we're able to give, what our gifts and talents are. And so we come in with that approach and it might not always match up and we end up not providing the greatest service in that community. So being able to stop and listen and do an assessment and take an inventory and say, well, this is actually what's needed. Do my skills align? Maybe. Do maybe not my most commonly used skills, but ones that I do have line up with that? Maybe that's better and you make a shift in yourself and what you're willing and able to do. And maybe they don't, and you have to be honest. And sometimes saying that no, or you know, maybe someone else is a better fit for that can be challenging, but is actually the most meaningful in that situation. So I would say this is a space you know, I long for. And like I said, I've found maps and pathways toward in a lot of different ways. But let's maybe take a moment and draw those four buckets. You know, what do you love? And try not to overthink it. We often do the best when we just out of instinct write down what we love, right? Things that light us up. And then write what you're good at. And you can start with obvious things. You know, if you're a physician and you're listening and you're good at your work and you've done a lot of years of study and training, you can list those pieces, but also start to think outside the box of your day job. What else are you good at? You know, what were you great at growing up? What classes were the easiest for you in school and in high school that maybe you didn't major in, but you just did it because it just felt like enjoyment. It didn't feel like work. And can you bring some of that back? For me, that was writing. And that's where I try to come back to um, through the blog and through prepping the podcast and through this work on the book. What can you be paid for? And again, we can start with the obvious and we can start to be creative. You know, we live in a world where there are things available online. You know, so whether it's just branching out a bit into, say, telemedicine, whether it's looking into the coaching arena, whether it's something out of the box in town that is needed and might actually align with your skill set. I'm not saying you need to get a second job or have a side hustle, but looking at where there are employment opportunities or entrepreneurial opportunities, sometimes it's thinking about, you know, what am I willing to pay for? What am I missing in my life? And I wish I had that and I'd be willing to pay for it. Someone else might likely be as well. And thinking in that realm, what the world needs. And this one, 
you can write down your ideas, but I would highly encourage you to turn this question outward and expand perhaps beyond your usual circles. Certainly start there, maybe practice asking the question and listening with people with whom you have a higher degree of comfort, but then start to step outside and ask folks directly what they need or just listen in conversation for things like, I wish that, or it's so hard when, and see what gaps there are, what voids might be filled. And then we have them all in these four buckets, right? And we start to overlap them. Which of these things cross over? You know, where are my skills aligned with a job that someone would pay for and something commented on that they would need this? And you know what? I would love giving that a try. And it might be something small. You know, it might be totally out of the box and maybe craft-oriented. Not for me. Not a crafty person. Wouldn't be appropriate use of my skills because I would have very few in that realm. But for someone else, it might be, and it might be something that's therapeutic for them. They are good at it. They love it. Someone else needs it done, you know, like a person like me. If they needed a costume made for Halloween for their kid and you loved it and I'd be willing to pay for it, you could find some small guy. Maybe it's on a bigger stage. You know, maybe it is organizing an event or a retreat and people are willing to pay for it. You know, there's populations that need that or want it to a great enough degree that it turns into a need for their health and well-being. You have skills in that realm and you would love doing it. You know, maybe it's planning a dinner party for friends and maybe this one you can't get paid for or maybe folks would be willing to donate. You know, think about how people get kind of caught up in the hubbub of daily schedules. Would they be willing to donate, you know, to cover the cost of food and maybe your time to prep a meal for them, and also you're creating community on the side. So getting creative in ways that you can expand, you can get some overlap, and you can see, can I get all four of these pieces to line up for anything that I might be willing, able to do? And then taking action, right? That's that next step is great ideas. How can we put it into action effectively? So those are some thoughts on potential, on passion, purpose, and potential, on being in the present, on practical measures, moving forward into them. And I challenge you and I challenge myself to keep looking at that, to honor what it is I'm able to do that meet some or all of those pieces already, to consider being willing to change it up a bit and step beyond where I am into a space that might ultimately feel more satisfying and meaningful and might be more helpful for the world. And through all of this, really learning to listen for feedback from others and acknowledge that we might not know what it is the world needs, or we might have assumptions, or we might be in our kind of blinded state or in the echo chamber And when we step out of it, we realize, wow, like I didn't realize that was missing for people. And actually, I'm fully ready and able and willing and excited to contribute and perhaps create a meaningful exchange for myself and for others. I'm going to challenge myself as well, like I said earlier, to practice being here now and accepting what is and listening for the lessons within 
like I said, it's been an interesting time in my life. And I do think there is greater purpose coming through lessons to be had from the universe, from the unfolding, from the interactions with others and keeping an open and non-judgmental mindset to allow myself to gain the most from those experiences, even when they feel particularly challenging. So that's round two of potential, and I'm sure it will come back up over time. We'll do some check-ins. Maybe we'll have some ikigai Thursdays and see where everyone stands and how we're coming back around. And if you are in Michigan and you'll be at the MOA tomorrow, Saturday, come up and say hello. And I look forward to speaking with all of you who are there and with all of you who are listening next time. This is Dr. Amelia Beeky with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.